Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Football is back, and so is winning season at MyBookie. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet, or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now and register an account for free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code TSUS to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code TSUS to claim your deposit bonus and, for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As the 2023 college football season approaches, who better to chat with than Chris Doring of SEC Network? And as I was joking with him off the air, it feels like this is sort of a seasonal thing this time around, and certainly it's a, it's a blessing to be doing so. Chris, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. What's going on? Yeah, third year in a row we've had a chance to do this, and uh, doing it a little earlier, I think, the last couple of years it's been after week one, but uh, getting a chance to kind of talk about things we think we know right now is interesting, and, and certainly having to look back later in the year and, and seeing how wrong we were about a lot of these will be fun, too. Chris, I'll start there really quickly before we dive in the nitty-gritty of South Carolina, the entire SEC, if you will. I think that's something that's so fascinating, you know, as we went to SEC media days and we heard from all these coaches and we met these players and, you know, something jumped out to me. We've never known less, right? Like normally years past, you would kind of have a really good idea like, hey, a lot of these guys have been on campus three or four years. They've been in the system, right? We we sort of know what to expect, but with yeah. Portal and, you know, 12 new OCs, but really the transfer portal, bringing all these new guys in. I mean, South Carolina, for example, which we'll get in a second, Shane Beamer pointed out they have 38 new players, which, I mean, that's the norm across college football. Look at Ole Miss, look at Auburn, yeah. look at Kentucky. They're just shuffling these guys in. You know, you and I obviously talk SEC football. We talk about these teams. We we make these preseason predictions, but it's literally never been harder yeah. to identify what these teams are going to be going in the season. That you, you really summarized that well. Obviously, you know, with the turnover on rosters and, and guys coming and going, it makes it hard to even identify names. And, and when you do identify the names, trying to think uh, what team they're with now. I mean, it, it took me forever to figure out where uh, Jermaine Burton was after uh, he moved from Georgia to, uh, to Alabama. But yeah, I think um, you, know, you make a great point about the coordinators, not just offensive coordinators. I mean, the total coordinator turnover in this conference has been ridiculous. And so there's some big-time names that I think are going to have big-time impacts on their programs. But it is uh, – it's funny. You you were at SEC Media Days, too. I think what happens there is we start hearing from more of the local people around, and then you, you adopt some of those ideas, and you regurgitate it to somebody else. And then the more you're saying it, the more you actually believe it. So it, it becomes like an echo chamber to some degree, and, and you feel – so solidified in your position. And then, you know, a couple weeks from now, we'll be like, man, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> now, Chris, starting with South Carolina, I I'm not going to go back to 2022 as we sit on the cusp of the 2023 season. But it's interesting, like you mentioned, the narratives that we carry with us from last season into this season because maybe they support or refute some of the things that we believe. South Carolina, of course, one of the hottest teams in college football to close out that year. Now you come in a year three of the Shane Beamer era with real expectations, with real hype, and anytime you return, you're starting quarterback in Spencer Rattler, and certainly South Carolina's run directly correlated with his play. 
there's good reason for that hype. Just talk about Spencer Rattler because this is a guy, there was a mixed bag of reviews last year. I feel like that's even more so this year, Chris, because for 10 weeks, this guy was abysmal. For the final yeah. three weeks, he's one of the hottest quarterbacks in college football, and I think the question simply is now, like, which version of him do you get more? Because I think we've all accepted you're not going to get a mistake-free Spencer Rattler, right? And that ceiling is so high, but that floor is so low. And it's just which is that which of that side do you get more of? How do you view his game going into this year? Yeah, it's a great point because I, I you mentioned we're not going to talk about 2022, but we have to because the last couple of weeks of the season and what that did to completely change the opinion of what we have of South Carolina heading into the season and particularly what we have in the opinion of Spencer Rattler. I mean, it, it was – I talked to, to some defensive coordinator in, in this conference and they felt like Spencer Rattler was a one read guy that uh, he knew what he was going to go with the football. Felt like a lot of the, the plays were predictable based upon formations and splits and things. And so, you know, in going back and listening to what uh, talk about Shane Beamer uh, mentioned over and over again, what we, we simplified things later in the year. Simplifying things is great in terms of allowing your quarterback to be able to, to make the reads and play fast and not have to think too much. But it also is easier for the defenses to try to figure out what you're able to do. And, you know, the offseason is spent with coordinators trying to diagnose everything that they see on tape that offenses are doing that may give them an advantage. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the next generation of this offense look. Dow Loggins coming over and, and bringing in infusing some good ideas building on what was done last year at the end of the year to help Spencer have that little hot finish to the season. And, and maybe most importantly of all, it seems like Spencer's really engaged. He talked about this being the most fun, the best camp that they've had. And I think Spencer's a guy that you've got to have locked in if you're, he's going to be successful. He's got to be all in, and it seems like that's what he is right now. Now, Chris, you played wide receiver at the SEC level. You were a damn good one at Florida, and I saw a list you put out there the most – important non-quarterback players in the SEC. For South Carolina, you listed Juice Wells. Again, you've played the position. When you look at his game and what he does and and the challenges he presents for a defense, what do you like so much about Juice Wells' game? Because, again, this is a guy you look at. I think you could argue he's the best returning wide receiver in the SEC. Yeah, I put him and Malik Neighbors in that same category. I think both those guys are going to have tremendous seasons. And it's ironic to think back just 12 months ago, you're looking at this guy trying to make the jump from James Madison to the SEC. And I was like, I can't imagine him being as impactful as people are predicting. And we've seen guys make that, that jump from playing in, in uh, FCS football to, to the next level or lower division football up to what we're doing in the SEC. And a lot of guys don't live up to the hype. Juice Wells not only lived up to the hype, he exceeded the hype. And I thought he was uh, a big focal point, obviously, of the offense last year, a big focal point of that finish to the season that you talked about with Spencer Rattler, the rapport that those guys developed. And what I like about him, he can beat you over the top. He can take a short slant and, and take it to the house, turn a, a short throw into a long game. Uh, I feel like he's a, a very physical, can, can play with a, a level of physicality to him as well. I like his route running an awful lot. So, uh, this is a guy that uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how he takes his game to another level after having last year under his belt. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Chris, very similar to their quarterback, this entire football team was so Jekyll and Hyde last year. And, you know, we talk about teams in the SEC, which we'll get into in a second, that you could convince me reasons are going to go six and six. You could convince me reasons are going to go nine and three. It's one of those volatile teams, if you will. How do you view South Carolina? Because as you and I both know, SEC football fans like bad doctors. They don't have patience, right? There's your dad joke of the night. But (laughs) they do not have any patience. They want to win now. And fans look at records and they see, okay, we went seven and six in year one. We went eight and five in year two. We got to win at least eight, if not more, to show progress. You know that's not how it works. Progress is not always linear. And I look at South Carolina, Chris, and here's what concerns me. This team is so volatile. And give credit, they found ways to win ball games. Beamer ball, special teams, you know, an opportunistic defense. But it's one of those things where can you count on that for a third consecutive season? But every time it seems, Chris, that we doubt Shane Beamer. And I, I was one, admittedly, I picked Tennessee to beat South Carolina 59 to 13. I thought mm. they had no chance and turn around. And I mean, what the Gamecocks did was just unprecedented. So, like, how do you view them as a collective going in? Because I think there are more solidified choices and options even in the SEC East to say who's going to finish in that third spot, that two spot. But every time you doubt Shane Beamer, they seem to over. Like, how do you look at that football team this year? Well, you you and I, I think the reason I like coming on with you is we think very similarly. And, um, you know, I don't know that there's a bigger enigma than South Carolina football the last couple of years. You know, you you talk about the Jekyll and Hyde nature of Spencer Rattler's season last year. Um, you know, one, one of the things that we talk about and celebrate so much is the, the culture of the program and how much fun everybody has. But yet a ton of those guys left from the, the transfer portal in the offseason. So how, how do you explain that? How do you explain maybe your most embarrassing game of the season against Florida and then coming back and having the, the two games you did against Tennessee and, and, and uh, Clemson the next week? Like none of that stuff makes sense at all. So when I'm trying to, to, to diagnose what I think 2023 is going to look like, I think they ha- may have the, the highest ceiling and lowest floor, the highest range between what the possibilities are. You know, I, I'm with you. I could see I could see them winning eight or nine games, and I could also see them missing a bowl game this year too. It, it just it really depends on on uh, a lot of different things that went their way last year. You talked about opportunistic defense. Like, can you live by being the, the team that creates the most turnovers every year? I don't know if that's something you can count on. Can you live on on having great you know, red zone defense, I don't know if that's something year to year that carries over either. Special teams certainly has been great. And I know they emphasize that, as you mentioned with the Beamer ball reference, but there's a lot of things to like and a lot of things that really scare you about this South Carolina team. And so I, I, I think that's the thing that I'm struggling with the most. Um, they, they may be – them and Texas A&M are two of the teams, I think, that, that are hardest to, to figure out what they're going to be this season. 
Chris, you mentioned Florida. Let's talk about your Gators a little bit because I, I think they're so fascinating as well. It's funny. I was actually listening to a clip or, or a segment you had. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when it was, but you were talking about some of the the freshman wide receivers that Florida has and how they kind of relate to some of the guys yeah. played with, some of those great receivers. But you look at Florida as a whole. I think what's interesting right now, Chris, is that we're speaking in the midst of fall camp. There's this sense of confidence coming from the Gators, right? Because everybody is down and out on Florida. Over, under, five and a half in Vegas. You know, that you got Utah week one. Everybody looks at the schedule. Gators are doomed for five and seven. You, you lose to Vandy last year. Like, all hope is lost. There's this quiet confidence with Billy Napier, with Florida. They kind of felt like at SEC Media Days, even, we have that yeah. chip on our shoulder. But, you know, the realities are there. Maybe depth's not exactly where you want it to be. The Graham Merch thing at quarterback, what's he going to be? They got a two-headed monster in the backfield, and that defense, Austin Armstrong's going to turn it around, but it was abysmal a season ago. So what gives you hope that Florida can turn it around in year two under Billy Napier? Because we talked about patience or lack thereof. Gainesville's not a place where they're going to yeah. pull up time. I mean, we're coming into this season, people talking about his seat, how warm it is. I, I don't think there's a chance he's he's gone because of a, what, $30-plus million buyout and the recruiting momentum, but people want to win now, Chris. So yeah. when you look at Florida, is there anything that gives you hope that they could overachieve and be a 7-5, and 8-4 and four team? And it's crazy, Chris, to say that Florida would overachieve and win seven games. It, it feels wrong. But anyways, that's kind of where we are with Florida football, I feel like. You mentioned it. I mean, Vegas has Florida missing a bowl game. I mean, that that would never have been something I could have imagined was the reality. But that's that's where this program is. It speaks to the rebuilding job that that uh, Coach Napier has has uh, taken on. Um, you talked about patience. I, I love my my Gator fan base, but they are certainly not patient in any way. And, and you've, been, uh, like hey, you said, you've been very uh, you, you've called them out before. You have been very honest. Yeah. with your fan base. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, I try to, and uh, certainly I, I've been very honest about my feelings of this team. I, you know, I was asked at SEC media days, do you think they go over or under that five-and-a-half win total? I said under. I've caught a lot of grief from a lot of Gator fans, and, you know, I don't think they understand, hey, I want Florida to win every single game. I'm just giving you kind of what my analysis is right now. After calling the spring game and being around the coaching staff, you know, watching what they did in, in that orange and blue game, it, I, I didn't think there was much reason for hope. Now, certainly the game was structured – where the defense was bringing corner blitzes and cover zero blitzes and things that were not conducive to having offensive success. But I would have liked to maybe built in at least a little bit of hope for the fans that maybe the offense is going to be better. But uh, it's funny, Coach Napier's talked since the spring about how he expects year two in this offense to be much better than last year. And that's losing Anthony Richardson, the number four pick in the NFL draft. So uh, I think there's a lot to be excited about. I was really impressed with the offensive line last year. The jump from 2021 uh, to, to 2022 was tremendous. They leaned on that offensive line. They ran the football well. Uh, you mentioned a two-headed monster. There's a three-headed monster, actually. They got a, a transfer from Tulane. That'll be a nice addition to that group. Um, you, you, you talked about the uh, the three freshman wide receivers. Those guys have been compared to to I kill you, Redale Anthony and Jacquez Green that, that came in in, in uh, 94 when I was playing. And then um, defensively, Austin Armstrong is an absolute star in the making. You guys are going to love getting to watch this guy, the energy he has on his side on the sideline. 29 years old, the pedigree being there, having you know coached in the Georgia system uh, under Kirby Smart, having uh, had an opportunity to be in Louisiana with Coach Napier, uh, was briefly in Alabama before Florida was able to, to pick him off. The defense is going to be better. They had a great uh, offseason in the transfer portal, went out and got 
you know, not only some speed at the skill positions, but got some size on the defensive line that Florida desperately needed. And I think the thing that I'm most excited about, Ricky Pearsall, you got a chance to see him when you were in Nashville. Um, this dude has been reportedly uncoverable during uh, camp so far. So he's somebody I can't wait to get to uh, watch when, when Florida debuts their, uh, their offense on that first Thursday night in Salt Lake City. Chris, you look at the rest of the SEC East, I think it's safe to say we put Georgia and heavy black ink at number one. It's their division until somebody claims otherwise. Vandy probably at seven, although you could make an argument that Vanderbilt maybe isn't in the cellar. And I think the fact that we're saying that just tells us all it's going to be a wacky year in the SEC, especially the East. Are you comfortable putting Tennessee in that number two spot with all they have to replace? And then the rest of the East, Missouri, Kentucky, those are two really intriguing yeah. teams. I, I'm high on Kentucky. I, I'm buying stock oh. in Kentucky. I think that's a team that could fight to finish second. That offense, I think Devin Leary is the best quarterback nobody's heard of. They're going to be nasty on defense. They added so much from the portal. And that wide receiver, mm-hmm. it's the best they've had in their stoop. So I'm high on yeah. Kentucky. How do you view the rest of the SEC East? The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. The Spurs Up show is also brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app or head over to GameTime.co and use the promo code SPURSUP for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code SPURSUP, S-P-U-R-S-U-P, for $20 off your first purchase. Game Time is the best ticket buying app available that removes all the stress of the ticket buying process. They have things like images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Guys, you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. And also, tickets, they're sent directly to your phone. So no more scrambling, searching through your email, trying to find the tickets you just bought, whether it be the Gamecocks, a concert, a comedy club event, you name it, whatever the event is, buying tickets shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at Game Time. Go download the Game Time app or go to GameTime.co, and when you do, create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-U-R-S-U-P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a fascinating dynamic, and the SEC East is a lot like the conference in general where there's a lot of teams that are bunched up right in the middle. And, you know, last year, uh, South Carolina benefited 
I, I look at the SEC East like a, a bucket of crabs where each of them is trying to grab the other and, and, and bring them back down into the, into the pit there. Um, but Kentucky was a team last year. I, 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 I thought they were going to have a, a double-digit win season. I, I had them win 11 games. Adam beating Georgia certainly fell well short of that. I don't think I was too far off. I didn't account for how bad the offensive line was going to be, but they had the other pieces there. But I'm with you. I have Kentucky win, uh, finishing second in the East this year. Um, I, I, I love Liam Cohen returning to Lexington. I love Devin Leary, as you mentioned. Uh, this is a, a, an offense that I think will get back to its roots of being able to run the football. Ray Davis comes over from Vanderbilt, which is a, a big addition to the transfer portal. And that, that group of wide receivers, uh, it, it, it was impossible to think about being able to, to uh, build that group of wide receivers at a place like Kentucky but they've been able to do it, and more importantly, they've been, been able to retain it. Having the Barry and Brown and, and Dane Key, two freshmen, have the seasons they did last year, you don't think there's some tampering going on behind the scenes from, from other coaches and teams? So uh, keeping those guys there was a, a huge coup, and uh, I'm excited about them. But I, I honestly think Tennessee takes a step back. I mean, Tennessee hasn't won 11 games in back-to-back seasons since 97 and 98. It's a tough task, especially losing one of your, your best quarterbacks in the history of the program. I think people aren't feeding into that enough. I think Joe Milton will do a great job, but, you know, it, it's, those are tough shoes to fill. Uh, so I think Tennessee takes a little bit of a step back. I hate to say this. I think South Carolina may take a little bit of a step back this year. Um, but Missouri, don't sleep on Missouri, man. Missouri played Georgia tougher than anybody else last year. For three quarters, they gave them all they wanted. And I think it's because they're built so physically on that front seven. Uh, defensive line, outside of Georgia's defensive line, I don't know if there's a more physical, talented defensive line than what Missouri has in the SEC East. So it's going to be a fascinating kind of uh, group there to kind of watch in that middle tier of the SEC East. Now, Chris, we jump over to the SEC West, and I, I'm doing something I told myself I'd never do again, and that's buy stock in Texas A&M. I, I just – I can't help myself. I, I don't know what it is. I, I look at Jimbo, and I, I look at A&M, and I say I'm not going to do it. And, and then you look on paper, and then you look at the recruiting classes, mm-hmm. and like – this team should win nine games, maybe even double digits. I think anything less than eight, you got to really start looking at Jimbo Fisher and say, yeah. I know the buyout's absurd, but depending on the price of oil around Thanksgiving, they might be willing to make a move. So you look at Jimbo in the, in the Bobby Petrino thing, obviously, that that's that's the big question mark. Can he let go of the reins, let somebody else call the plays? Because across the board and the way they've recruited yeah. the team they have, Texas A&M should be a factor in the SEC West. It's been an interesting offseason, hasn't it? I mean, all we've focused on is Bobby Petrino and will Jimbo Fisher hand over the, the play-calling duties to him. But we haven't talked about the substance of this Texas A&M team. And I thought the last two offseasons, they've been given far too much credit. I didn't think they deserved to be talked about in the top five or six, wherever they were, you know, two years ago. Um, but I think they've flown under the radar. And I think the narrative that we heard in Nashville was kind of a growing sentiment from all the media and attendance there. That's, there were a lot of really good players that were playing probably before they were ready, particularly in that front seven last year, that are now, you know, they were 17, 18-year-old kids having to play grown men in the SEC that are now more experienced. They're physically more mature. They're mentally more mature. So I, I think they're going to be much better um, against the run than what they, they were last year. Um, offensively, um, buying Connor Wegman stock, you know, I think they're in, in a good position there. Um, and then uh, you, you probably had a chance to talk to Anaya Smith. Anaya Smith is the one that really had me buying in. This is a guy that got injured last year in September, 
not only a big productive player for them, but just a leader in that locker room. So his absence, I think, really hurt last year. And getting him back, there seems to be a sense of urgency that he's representing. Uh, they talk a lot about finishing. And I think that there's a, uh, a quiet confidence, much like you mentioned in Gainesville. I think that same quiet confidence exists in, in College Station this year. So I, I'm with you. I like them. Um, I'm taking LSU in the West. Uh, I think Alabama struggles to get 10 wins this year. I'm not buying the tide. Um, and, and then I think Texas A&M is right there in that, uh, in that third position. And that's where I wanted to go next, Chris, because uh, one of my hot takes is Alabama 9-3 and three this year. I, I think Texas oh. really might beat them by double digits in week two, which maybe that's a hot take, and I'm giving Texas too much credit. But Bama's got questions where you can't afford it. That's quarterback, and then you look defensively, you lose Will Anderson. I, I struggle with how are they going to get better. You know what I mean? And, and and I know Nick Saban, everybody's saying a, a happy Nick Saban. What does it mean? College football should be terrified. I, I got to see it. And that offensive line yeah. struggled last year, and – LSU is my pick in the West as well, but it does feel like, I guess it's kind of scary that when we're all doubting Bama, sometimes those are the years that they show up and they win a national title, yeah. they, they run over everybody. So on paper, I feel like LSU is the team. I mean, they are just loaded across the board, obviously not sleeping on Alabama, but I mean, it, it's a fascinating battle there at the top of the SEC West. And we have to factor in that Alabama, they get LSU in Tuscaloosa. That's a huge advantage. I guess the, the question will be, can Bama weather the rest of the schedule and figure out that quarterback position? Yeah, you know what? I, it's funny because you mentioned the questions that we have about Alabama. Uh, we don't know who their quarterback's going to be. They're in the midst of this quarterback battle between three guys that uh, they may or may not resolve before game one against Middle Tennessee. Um, they lose their offensive coordinator. You know what? Th those two dynamics are the same situation they have in Athens. I don't count it against the Georgia Bulldogs, but I count it against the Alabama Crimson Tide because of the surrounding pieces. You talked about the offensive line. Largely disappointed with that group the last two years. They have underperformed and not lived up to the standard of what we've expected from that position. Wide receiver, they have certainly not lived up to the expectation of, of what we've come to expect in Tuscaloosa. Uh, those guys have trouble winning in one-on-one -on -one situations. They, they can't catch the football as consistently as, as we'd expect them to. Um, so that's the difference. I think Georgia has the pieces around the quarterback. We presume Carson Beck, but a new starter regardless from last year. The pieces around will help pick him up. Bryce Young was the guy that was picking everybody up in Alabama last year. He's gone. So who are the ones that can raise the play around the quarterback? I just don't have faith in the offensive line. I don't have faith in the, in the wide receivers until I see it. I think the defense will be good, but you're right. Losing Will Anderson's a huge loss. And now Dallas Turner becomes the focal point of what all the protections are being slid to. So it, it's um, for me, you, you talk, they got their hardest games at home. Texas is at home. LSU is at home. Uh, but the thing that you think about, they, they got to go to, to college station again. Uh, they got to, they got to play, I believe in Starkville. Uh, I think they lose in Lexington this year. That's my hot take to add to your, your kind of take. Yeah. So, I'm uh I'm kind of down on them, but you're right. This is a position Alabama's not typically in, and I think it's one they actually relish, which makes it kind of dangerous. Now, Chris, the rest of the SEC West, we talked about just how volatile the East is and crazy it is. The SEC West gives it a run for its money, if not even more. I feel like these are a bunch of teams. You look at Arkansas, Auburn, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. These are yeah. like your your dream crusher teams where like they might only be six or seven win teams, but every one of these teams on the right Saturday, 
they can be any of those top tier teams and kind of ruin their dreams of the season they're hoping to achieve. So you look at the best of the rest, you know, Mississippi State, obviously, rest in peace, the Pirate. They're starting a new era, but you have yeah. Rodgers at quarterback. Auburn first-year head coach, but that first-year head coach is Hugh Freeze, somebody who's had some success in the SEC. We see the way he's yeah. working. He's beaten Nick Saban. Arkansas, I mean, they've got Rocket Sanders and K.J. Jefferson, and Chris, nobody's talking about them. One of the yeah. best quarterback running back duos in the SEC. And then Ole Miss, who I feel like is flying well under the radar, you know, I know they've had the quarterback battle with Jackson Dart, but it sounds like he's got control of the job. They're going to be prolific offensively. They've done. They've made some changes defensively to be better there, and it's Lane Kiffin, man. It's almost like Lane Kiffin just wakes up, rolls out of bed, and falls into eight wins. So it's like yeah. the SEC West is 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 a wild division, and I, I just can't wait to watch it unfold. Yeah, we talked about coordinators a little earlier. Maybe the one that is the most under-talked about, undervalued, is Pete Golding ending up in Oxford. I mean, I think that's an absolute – win there for Lane Kiffin so getting him uh there would certainly help that defense be better to balance out what we expect to be another dynamic offense from the Rebels uh but I, I think Mississippi State uh Kentucky undervalued in the east Mississippi State undervalued in the west and I think people are sleeping on the returning talent of that team uh the maybe the most experienced quarterback the the, the certainly the most veteran uh guy in Will Rogers not getting the love that he deserves um, and, and the guy, the coach that, that I think won SEC Media Days more than anybody else, Zach Arnett. I mean, Zach Arnett looked polished. He sounded confident, settled into that job. I know he took it un over under some really tough circumstances, but has, has kind of grown into being the CEO of that, that uh, Mississippi State program. So I'm excited about what they can do. Uh, but it, you're right, man. It is going to be an absolute battle in the mix. I think cannibalism is the word to describe the SEC as a whole this year, because there's a lot of different teams that I think are going to knock each other off. And I think there'll be a, a, a bunch of those guys just kind of bunch in the middle there when the season ends. Chris, long-term before we move off the West, are you buying stock in Auburn with Hugh Freeze? Because what he's doing in recruiting, I mean, it's fascinating. Flipping yeah. guy, Georgia from Bama, and we know his track record. Do you think he could be a guy that in, let's say, two, three, maybe four years – Auburn's right back atop. I know divisions are going away, but they're right back atop the SEC and winning double-digit games and competing for a college ball playoff. Yeah, you know what? It was an absolute home run hire. You talk about all the things that that uh, Auburn needed. They got exactly that in Hugh Freeze. Uh, needed somebody that that knows the conference, knows the SEC West. Uh, clearly, you know, Hugh Freeze has, has navigated that division there uh, in the past with Ole Miss. Need, need a guy that can can coach offense, can coach quarterbacks in the passing game. He has a track record of doing that. And maybe most importantly, being in the state of Alabama, somebody that has a track record of beating Nick Saban. And uh, you can check that box as well. So um, I had a chance to do the Auburn spring game. I, uh, I walked into the uh, brand-new facility, which is absolutely beautiful, on that Friday before the, the game. And as soon as I saw you freeze and started talking to him, man, I'm like, bro, this is this is the guy. This is the right fit. He had an air about him, a confidence about him. And uh, right now, the the talent is not where he needs it. Um, I don't. It, it, their schedule is conducive to you know letting them kind of get their feet under them during the first month of the season. They get three games before they they have to really get tested when they play Texas A&M. But um, you know, I, I I I know he's the right guy. You've seen the momentum already being created on the recruiting trail. Um, I, I think it's the same situation that Auburn um, has had in the past. They just have got to be patient, which they, they don't necessarily do a great job of. 
But I think that, that Hugh Freeze has the resume and has the personality to be able to control some of the things that previous coaches have not been able to control as it relates to booster involvement and the, the noise in the machine that sometimes arises there. Chris Doring of SEC Network. Chris, appreciate you taking the time. Last thing before I get you out of here. So you've got Georgia and LSU in the SEC title. We haven't spent a ton of time talking about the dogs, but do you think they win the SEC title again? And more importantly, a team has not won three straight national championships since the 1930s. Do you believe they become the first since Minnesota did it way back when? The fact they're the favorite just screams to the machine that Kirby Smart has built, but it's extremely difficult. And if they don't get it done, what do you think is the thing that could hold Georgia back? Maybe not in the regular season, maybe not in the SEC title, but you get the college ball playoff. There's things that kind of show when you're playing the best of the best. Is there something you look at at Georgia say they'll have to overcome this in order to win a third straight? Yeah, I mean, they're just built so completely from top to bottom. Uh, they've been able to, to recruit uh, amongst the best year in and year out. And maybe more importantly than that, they've been able to retain better than anybody else. And that's the, that's the key phrase these days with the transfer portal, um, you know, being able to, to convince guys to stay around and understand their role until they get a chance to, to step up and, and uh, take a starting job. Uh, but it, he, he's got everything that he needs to to convince these guys to trust him, right? It's, uh, hey, we're putting all these guys into the NFL in the first round. Uh, we're winning SEC East championships. We're winning national championships. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a great um, advertisement for itself. It's a thing that the success just continues to, to breed more success. Uh, but I, I'm, I think Georgia head and shoulders is above everybody else in the conference. I think they're head and shoulders above everybody else in the country. Um, it's hard for me to believe when I see the FPI numbers tell me that Ohio State and Alabama have a better chance to win the national championship than Georgia does, especially given the fact that the schedule is pretty forgiving for the Bulldogs this year. Um, but at the end of the day, man, I trust Kirby Smart, and uh, I, I, I believe that they are just so well um, allocated with talent at every single position and, and, and depth of talent. Guys' names we probably don't even really know yet will have an opportunity to step up and contribute this year. So history tells us that it can't be done or hasn't been done for a long time, but I expect Georgia to, to be the one holding the trophy at the end of the year in the confetti again. Chris Doring of SEC Network does a fantastic job talking all things SEC and college football. Chris, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Let's definitely do it again soon. Always fun, man. We'll be back for year four next year, bro. Sounds good. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.